This amazing experience is a place where you too can connect, discover, grow, and lead for God here at Common Bond Church. Are you ready to hear the word of God? Well, I'm excited to share it with you. And today the title of our message is At Home with God, starting now and for all of eternity. We're going to hear one song by Candace Harden, and we'll immediately hear that message. Amen. Hallelujah. Right where you are, just get into your posture of worship. We're going to lift up God. We're going to give him glory. We're going to magnify him today. Lord, we worship you, oh God, yeah. Sing God, oh my Lord of glory, oh, we worship you. God, oh my Lord of glory, oh, we worship you. Oh. 
wanna make it personal. Oh, whoa. Y'all help me say, oh, 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 we worship you, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank there truly you, Jesus. is no one greater than our Lord, and that's what we came to proclaim this morning. And uh, so I want to read to us Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. If you have your Bibles, turn there with me. I'd love for you to see it with your own eyes, in your, with the Bible in your own hands, so you can see it uh, for your own self. In verse 1, I'm going to be reading today from the New Living Translation. Verse 1 says these words from God himself. It's recorded for us. Therefore, since we have been made right or justified by God, By faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of this faith, Christ has brought us into this place of highest privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials who are also called suffering For we know that they are good for us. They help us to learn to endure. And endurance develops strength of character in us. And character strengthens our confident expectation of salvation or our hope in God. And this expectation will not disappoint us. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at the just right time and died for us sinners. Now no one is likely to die for a good person, though someone might be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's judgment. For since we were restored to friendship with God by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be delivered from eternal punishment by his life. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God, all because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us in making us friends and family of God. Amen. Let me pray for us. Uh, Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word. Lord, we ask that you be with us through your word. We ask that you endue us with tremendous power, that you speak to us, that you touch our hearts, touch our minds, that you shape us and form us and allow us to be the people that you desire us to be. Lord, I just want to say again to thank you for this Sunday morning, uh, this opportunity just to worship you, this opportunity just to come together and pray 
with one another through video content, through online opportunities, through audio capabilities, all these ways that we still are coming together and you're still present with us by your spirit, Lord. And we give you thanks for that. Lord, as we pray to you, um, Lord, we ask that what we need to hear in our life be spoken to us directly. And Lord, we know that that only happens when we humbly submit ourselves before you. So all who are listening, I ask, Lord, that you help us to submit to you. Lord, I ask myself that I submit to you, that the Holy Spirit may move through me and communicate clearly what you desire. Lord, in my own flesh, I'm insufficient, but in your glory, in your grace, I am strong in you. Same way with all of us, Lord. Allow us to come humbly before you to hear your word and be moved to change how you desire us to change. Uh, Lord, uh, uh, allow us to have that teachable spirit. <laughs> allow us to learn what you want from us and allow us to move in toward that direction. Lord, when we are changed for your good, let us come back and give you the praise, the glory and honor in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 You know, when you think of a home, <laughs> It's more than a place where we actually just put our stuff. It's more than a place where we actually just eat a meal. It's even more than a place where we actually lay down and put our head on a pillow and a bed. In fact, the home uh, signifies and constitutes something special for each and every one of us. It's a place where we actually find some comfort. It's a place where we find security. It's a place where we actually think that there is some rest and some peace in our life. You know, that's what we actually mean when we say home, home. Well, today I wanted to share with us that through the doctrine of salvation, it promises that God is reconciling us to himself so that we can spend a home with him for all of eternity. And today I actually want to share with us how we actually start that now and actually begin to live throughout all of eternity with God. And as I share that with you, I want to ask us an important question. You know, do you think that God has a better home for us now and for all of eternity than when we actually create for ourselves? And so that's our key uh, a question to us. So let's begin to think about that and dig in on what God is actually saying to us. I want to actually start by actually going to Romans chapter five, verse one. And I want us to be reminded of what the scriptures are saying to us and telling us about what this phrase righteousness of God actually means, because it begins by saying in verse one of chapter five, therefore, since we have been made right, in God's sight by faith, by faith, or in some of your translations, it might just simply say, be justified by God through faith. You know, that is a phrase that we need to make sure that we understand as we go forward. You know, Romans chapter one through four, for example, begins to detail that exclusively and intently uh, with great clarity. It begins to share with us that there is only one way to actually be at home with God, to be in the right relationship with him now and for all of eternity. And that means that we got to overcome some obstacles, some hurdles to actually get there. And some of the hurdles that we have sometimes about being at home with God in relationship with him for all of eternity. And another way I can call that eternal life salvation is that we actually think uh, that there is something about our ethnicity, our race, where we was born that actually gives us a right to be God's people. You know, sometimes we actually use badges of honor, such as religious rights, you know, to actually make us feel and think that we are part of God. God's family. You know, there is other times where we think that there are uh, moral things that we actually need to do so that we actually become part of God's family, you know, or even we go to those extremes where we think that just simply being a good person is enough 
uh, to actually be God's uh, family in him and be at home. Well, the, the doctrine of righteousness, you know, reminds us that there's only one thing that we can actually do to be part of God's family. It means by reaching out by faith, by actually believing what Christ Jesus has said, uh, by coming into the, the flesh of his body and us truly understanding that if we actually believed in what God has done, if we believed in what Jesus Christ has done uh, in this earth, that he has come in the flesh as a man, died for our sins, was raised again. And if we touch up by faith and believe that God says that I'm going to count that to you as righteousness, nothing else that you can do can accept me into your home of God without that kind of faith. And so that means that you and I, where God is just trying to stretch us to be, is a people who actually always believe in the righteousness of God, you know, which means that we are extending upon this supernatural realm of who God is, and we're just believing in it. You know, God throughout the history of the Bible has always shown people his glory, his righteousness, something that was beyond the human realms of capability. He would part the Red Sea. You know, he would actually promise the children of Israel that they would have a new land and a new place and give them a destiny to be able to get there. All all those things were opportunities and expressions to actually show people who the righteousness of God would be. But the pinnacle of it is Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is the one who God demonstrated coming into the flesh that no man could ever do. You know, coming into the flesh, born of a virgin, through the Holy Spirit, dying for our sins, becoming a sinless person, and then raising from the dead. If we can believe in that kind of God, God says that I will count that to you for righteousness, and that's all you need to do to be part of my family. Amen, amen, amen. Well, that's a summary of Romans chapter one through four. But now I want to share with us, what does that mean in our life? You know, if we've actually accepted that Christ Jesus has died for our sins, you know, what do we now receive? You know, what is the promise that God gives to us? So that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about how we work out our salvation. You know, the central theme of what we're actually going to be focused on is God being able to share with us some key things that we actually can live by in this life. I want to start immediately by getting into verse five, chapter five, verse one, where God begins to say, because you have been justified by faith, because you have been made right in God's sight, the very first thing that we have is what's described as peace. We have peace with God. Now, peace to you may not be an important word, but in the the eyes of God, it's one of the most important things that we could ever, ever, ever think about in our life. So the first question I want to ask you, what do you think about when you uh, uh, hear the word peace? <laughs> you know, I, I love to watch this commercial that comes on sometimes. It shows this woman in the midst of a busy household, in the midst of kids running around, being able to go to a retreat in her home, uh, sit in a bathtub, and the experience that she is showing us is that she's found a little bit of peace. And maybe that's what peace actually means to you, is that you can escape a little bit of the busyness of your life. You know, you can escape the chaos that's of this world. That's why our home is so important sometimes, because it's a place where we can actually just find some kind of rest, some kind of security in life that is very, very different than what's outside the doors of our home. Well, I want to share with us today that God has a certain kind of peace, a certain kind of rest that's far greater than you and I could ever try to create on our own. You know, theologically, in the Old Testament, it was called the word shalom. You know, it's a word that actually meant peace and rest. And it's far greater than just uh, 
just simply having hostilities calm down. You know, when you think about peace, sometimes, you know, there's war. I remember hearing the phrase, you know, all the time, peace in the Middle East, because there's always some kind of conflict in that area of the world. And if there could just be a little bit of peace, of people just being friendly to one another, uh, to be hospitable to, to one another, that would be a great ideal and a great goal. Well, God has this word called shalom. <laughs> it's called perfect peace. It's a kind of rest that God actually desires us to have. And it's far greater than anything that we could actually physically attain on our own. So we're going to talk about that today. The second thing that we're going to share and actually talk about today is, again, asking us, what do we know that we actually receive? What are we promised? Because we've been justified by faith. The second thing that I want to focus on is found in verse two. In verse two, it says, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of highest privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to the hope of sharing God's glory. So what that means to us is that the second thing that we're going to talk about is hope, you know, and hope is this kind of future expectation reality that enables us to actually look for something greater. You know, when I think about hope, sometimes I'm reminded when I was very, very young, you know, that we would always have this thing called career day and career day. You got to imagine who you wanted to be in the future. You know, imagine the world that you would actually want to uh, kind of live out. And I loved career day because it allowed me to fix my eyes on something greater than what was actually presently in front of me. And what God actually does for us, he actually gives us a hope of future glory. He gives us a hope of a world and of himself that is far greater than you and I can think about, imagine, or experience. And when we have that kind of hope, it always sets your framework. You know, when you think about who you want to be in a world or the goals that you have in this world, you know, sometimes we have to have vision boards. Sometimes we have to have goals that are in mind so that we can actually set our pathway there. What God does the same thing with us is that he is trying to set the pathway, trying to set the framework of who we are supposed to be and what our world is supposed to like look like. And so we've got to constantly be thinking about hope in our life. So we're going to talk about that today so that we have a perfect picture of what God actually desires us to have. Uh, the third thing that I actually want to share with us today is that the, the, what we also receive because we have been justified by God is this so important reality. Uh, I want to read it to us first in verse three of chapter five. The word of God says that we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. You know, another translation that you might be reading may say suffering for we know that they are good for us. <laughs> and that's where we want to we want to talk about. You know, the third thing that we have as a promise is this reality that the sufferings of this world that we go through are actually really, really good for us. And, and let me give you an illustration before we get dig deeply into it. You know, I know that some of us may exercise and some of us may work out a little bit. The hardest thing about exercise and working out is the work itself. It's actually the physical heaviness that comes from the weight that you may be using. It comes from the exhaustion of actually trying to use your your body and use the muscles and use the energy that you have. You know, it creates exhaustion in us. And that is the worst part of the exercise. But we know that exercise actually does us good because whatever kind of physical 
physical outcome that we're actually looking for. You only get there through the exercise activities that you're trying to participate in. And that's what God is actually saying to us is that when we recognize uh, the sufferings that we go in this world, and we're going to define what suffering means, uh, when we go through the, the sufferings of this world, what they actually do is actually make us spiritually strong into the people that God desires us to be. And that may be contradictory for many of us because we may think, you know, if I believe in God, if I trust in God, then I should have no worries, no trials, no problems, no no cares in this world. But God actually wants us to understand that those very things are actually make you become the person that God desires us to become. So we're going to be talking about that today. Well, as we, we get through all those things, you know, we want to make sure that we are hearing this message because we want to not just live a life, you know, in God where we're believing in something called salvation, but we're not experiencing the promises that God desires us to have. And so today, you know, I want us to overcome some of those obstacles. I want us to overcome some of the things that could be hindering us from actually not truly experiencing all the blessing that God desires us to have in this world here today. And so some of the reasons why we may not you know, experience these full promises that God has, you know, think about peace first and foremost. You know, when you and I think about peace, sometimes we just have the wrong concept of what peace is. You know, sometimes all we're just trying to do is just have a little bit of something that the world uh, is trying to offer us. You know, think about like the war scenario where we just want to be at peace. You know, sometimes people may walk into a home that I live in and they're saying that I experience a little bit of peace because I come here. And what they're really trying to say is there's chaos all around the world, but there's something different in here. Well, that's good, but it even doesn't compare to the peace that God actually desires us to have. And so we want to overcome what peace actually truly means. So I want you to continue to be thinking about that question. What is the peace that you have in your life? Is it just internal peace, you know, that you may experience where you may be thinking about certain things and a feeling that you have of peace? You know, is it just to have a hostilities cool down of people around you? Is that the kind of peace that you're looking for? Or could it be something greater called perfect peace. You know, perfect peace in God is what we want to strive for and actually believe that God actually desires us to have because perfect peace is called shalom. You know, perfect peace is where God actually says that I want you to have nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing incomplete in your life. You know, that's what true peace actually means. And God gives us so many illustrations of the peace that of the peace that he wants us to have that I can't wait to actually share some of that with you today. You know, another hurdle <laughs> that we need to overcome of experiencing the promises that God actually has for us is that our hope is rested on the things that we can actually experience in this world. You know, have you ever just just thought about the things that you want in life? And maybe it's just a new car. Maybe it's just a new house. But you don't realize that God has even bigger and better for you than you could ever imagine. You know, that's why, you know, I love to pray the prayer of Jabez sometimes because God says, you know, Lord, Lord, enlarge my territory, expand my thinking. I love to think about Isaiah chapter 55. And I'm just quoting some things that are just in my mind because those are the ways that God has transformed me that I just want to share with you. But in Isaiah chapter 55, God God says, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So I, I want to think like God. I want to get on his realm of reality. You know, Philippians says that God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can think, ask, or say. 
I'm just showing you the theology and the character of God, where he is bigger than anything that we could imagine. And so when you think about hope, you know, there are some things that we place on this world that are of value to us. But God says, I want to do even more than that. I want you to actually experience something greater than you have actually never experienced before. God has visions and he has hopes and he has dreams for us that we may think are uh, are crazy or astronomical in our own kind of abilities. But God is never trying to tell us to do it ourselves. He said, all I want you to do is believe who I am, trust who I am, be loyal to who I am, and then I'll actually show you how to receive all those things. That's why he gives us faith as the example through Abraham again. So I want to remind us of who Abraham is. Abraham was a man who believed in hope against hope, who trusted in God and actually allowed God to tell him that he was going to be the father of many nations, that he could look up to the heavens and look up to the stars and actually believe that God was going to give him a descendancy that was just as great. And Abraham dared to just believe God. And God began to walk that out in his life. That's the kind of hope that God desires us to have. The kind of hope where we can actually do the impossible in our life, not in our own strength, but in the strength that actually comes through our faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. 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 The third obstacle that I want us to recognize that prevents us from receiving the promises of God is the wrong perspective of suffering the wrong perspective of suffering. You know, sometimes when we actually look at uh, suffering in this world, we actually think that, you know, if I'm a believer, I should experience no suffering at all in this world. But I want to read for us again, verse three in Romans chapter five. In verse three, the Bible says that we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials or suffering, for we know that they are good for us. They help us to endure. They help us to endure, you know, so, you know, that's what we got to recognize that God is actually putting suffering in front of us so that we understand that it's actually going to do us good in the end. But if our perspective is wrong, if our perspective thinks that every single bad situation comes in our life so that it tears us down, then we don't understand what God is actually really trying to do. He's actually trying to form us. He's trying to mold us. He's trying to shape us. So sometimes, you know, we got to be like what James says, that we count all joy when faced with divers temptations, faced with trials because we know that the testing of our face produces something in us because that's what God is trying to give us the kind of reality of understanding that the things that you go through actually make you stronger. You know, again, there's that physical exercise example, but if you think about anything in life, it, don't, it takes a little bit of work <laughs> to understand how to become good at anything. And it takes us a little bit to be formed by God, to be molded and shaped like clay. And we've got to, you know, go through that, that formation process so that we actually become who God desires us to become because at the end it's going to be good you know I love to be able to understand and remember you know that I'll tell you that I'm just a a little boy from a small town of 20,000 people who God has enabled me to travel the world a little bit, to see some experiences. But when I think about those things, I recognize that God has to shape. He has to form. He has to expand your mind. He has to help you to go through some experiences so that you can actually walk into the things that God desires you to walk in. He doesn't just put it on a plate for you and say, here it is. You literally have to become that person that God desires. And, and God does that work in you. You know, he does that working out of his salvation. He has a picture for the life that he desires you to have, but he begins to form that out in all of us. And so, again, if I can just summarize those three things that we've got to overcome, 
recognizing that God has some kind of supernatural peace, you know, supernatural peace that's greater than what we actually could experience in this world. It's called perfect peace. It's called rest. And we've got to overcome the reality of understanding that that the world that we live in is just supposed to be just a little bit better. You know, instead, God wants us to have a perspective that, no, his perfect peace is what he wants us to live in now and also for eternity. The second thing that God wants us to overcome is that he wants us to make sure that we have this proper perspective of hope, that we are just not looking for the material things on this world, but we are also looking for the supernatural hopes that God actually has for us in our life. And then the third thing, again, is having the proper perspective of suffering, you know, having the proper perspective of the problems and the things that actually go on in our life because they are necessary for us actually to grow. And so let's 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 go into this argument. <laughs> let's try to uh, figure out, you know, how we can actually live the better life that God desires us to have, the new life that God desires us to have. Because as Christians, we have so many precious uh, blessings that God desires in this world. You know, when we think about, you know, those things that I'm just mentioning today, you know, how beautiful it is to actually be a Christian. You know, how beautiful it is when God actually begins to lay out things like this to us in a way that we can actually hear it and receive it, believe it and walk in it. Because twice in verse two and verse three, you know, if you can look at your Bibles again, he begins by saying to us, we need to rejoice, rejoice at what God is actually sharing with us at rejoice at the promises that God has actually given to us. We rejoice because it is something different than the world could never experience. When we're talking about Shalom peace, the world doesn't have a concept of Shalom peace. We've got to have that revealed to us from God. You know, we've got to have God actually share with us the kind of peace that he desires for us in our life. And one of the ways that we understand Shalom is think about how God created the world. In six days, he did all this work. And then on the seventh day, he actually rested. And so for all of the Old Testament, we see the children of Israel using this one special day called the Sabbath as a day of rest. And Shalom can mean two words. And that's why I'm talking about uh, the Sabbath today. Shalom, shalom means two words. It means rest and it also means peace. And rest is a place where you can actually just stop your work, you know, lay down all the labor of your hands and actually just just rest for a minute. <laughs> you know, we've been um, moving all this week, you know, my wife and I. And as we moved all this week, <laughs> I've needed a lot of rest, <laughs> you know, because I've been exhausted. I've been tired and I've I've appreciated the moments that we've had to just lay our head and actually get a little bit of rest. And that's what God is actually saying to us in this world. If we think properly about all the things that we go on in life, we certainly need so much rest. It may be rest in our mind. It may be rest in our heart, rest from the work that we do. And we labor every single day. Well, God provides us with a certain rest that only is in him is only in his provision, only what he has, because he is the only one that actually can calm the waters. He is the only one that actually can put things at ease. He can all be the only one who actually uh, slows down the storm. That's who God is. And so he he would give the children of Israel this example called the Sabbath, where he would say on six days you can work, but on the seventh day, I just want you to rest. And on the seventh day, as you rest, I'm going to take care of the land and make sure that you have everything that you are uh, that you need to be provided for. What kind of 
faith it takes for us actually to stop our work and let God just provide for us. You know, the Sabbath was an example that we can actually just trust God and not have to rely on our own hands and in our own work. You know, I've heard many people who actually practice the Sabbath, but we practice it wrong. You know, meaning that we show up at church, but then immediately after that, we're going back to work. You know, we're going back out because we are placing our sufficiency in ourselves. We don't have true faith in God in the area of rest because in true faith in the area of God, we say that, Lord, I trust you in it. I believe you in it. I'm loyal to you in that area. And when we are loyal to God in that area, we do what he actually tells us to do. And so I've heard so many beautiful examples, you know, people in my life, people in history, you know, who work jobs, you know, for themselves. And they say that whenever I have actually rested in God and just given him a Sabbath, you know, God has actually made my life more efficient. He has actually made up the deficiencies that I may have had of trying to do it myself. And I want to remind us here today, that's what, God promises through Shalom. God promises a supernatural rest for us that whenever we just trust him in an area, he says that I'll still provide for you. You know, again, when we think about just the, the theology of God, some of your favorite scriptures are embedded in that kind of mindset. You know, Matthew chapter six, verse 33, for example, that tells us, uh, do not worry about your life, which you shall eat, which you shall drink. But in all these things, the Gentiles seek, seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. It's a reality of just resting in God, trusting in his provision, being loyal to it, allow him to do it his way. But now we got to figure out applicably, you know, how do we live that out? It means that we've got to figure out ways to do that hard rest in God of being able to say, Lord, I'm actually really going to trust you. I'm not going to do this all my own, but I am going to just take a day and just allow you to make things work out in my life. And some of us may work on Sundays, but that doesn't mean that Sunday has to be your only day of rest. You know, Sunday is just a concept. You know, Sunday is an ideology in God where we say, Lord, it's an example of me trusting in you. So some of us, like I do, I work on Sundays. <laughs> so Monday is my day of rest. You know, Monday is a day where I say, Lord, you know, fill me again you know, begin to provide me with the provision that I actually need. You know, Lord, take me away from doing it just myself, but I'm just going to trust you in this area. And in many ways that we need to do that, even throughout the week, you know, sometimes we need to give God our first best, you know, early in the morning where we say, God, I got to run to work. <laughs> but no, sometimes we just might need to say, Lord, I need to rest in you. You know, I need to just get up in the morning and pray to you. I need to just hear a word from you, Lord, I'm going to trust you that you're going to make everything right when I give you my rest, when I give you my first, so that God can be able to give us all that we need. You know, we need to have that kind of shalom, that kind of peace in our life. And that's how practically we can actually make that happen. You know, when you think about God's shalom, I just want to tell you this about how good it is. You know, God's shalom is so good that every seven years, God would say that I will even give rest to the land. You know, for a whole year, after six years, God would say on the seventh year to the children of Israel, don't touch the land. And for agriculture people, horticulture people, that doesn't make any sense, does it? But God would say to them, don't touch it, you know, give it rest 
Allow it actually to provide for you in a way that just means that I'll, that you can just trust me, that you can just trust me. And then God even did so many other things through the examples, you know, through the history. You know, remember the children of Israel that were in the wilderness for, you know, 40 years where God just fed them with manna. It was a season of rest as well, where God was always trying to show them, I can provide for you more than you can actually do in this physical realm. I'm trying to build your faith right now. I'm trying to help you to see historically in the Old Testament how God would actually give people rest. It doesn't change here today. Day, God wants to give us that same kind of rest in practical ways where we figure out how to just trust in him so that he can actually give us better in our life. God desires to give us better. He de God desires to give us more than we can imagine, but we've got to live out our salvation. We've got to trust in him, believe in him, be loyal to the way that he actually wants to provide for us. And then he'll do those good things in our life. Amen. Amen. The second thing that I want to tell you about hope. I want to make sure that we understand that God has a kind of hope for us that is so good. You know, a kind of hope that is eternal, a kind of hope that enables us to overcome the realities that we live in this world. You know, when you think of the glory of God, when you think about the precious promise that God begins to desire for us, you know, there's two things that I want to quickly mention is that one is that we're going to have new bodies, <laughs> new bodies, meaning they're glorified bodies in God, because we will be like Christ as he has returned. I mean, when you remember that Christ raised from the dead, you know, they put the, the hands in his nails and, and there was no blood coming out because he had some kind of glorifiedness on him. You know, when he was able to raise from the dead, that is an expression of the glorified body because death can't even uh, overtake it. You know, when you think about the, the glorification that God's going to do in the new world, it's not that we're all going to ascend to heaven, but God God will actually create a new heaven and a new earth. You know, we're going to have a new realm that we actually live in every single day that doesn't decay, that doesn't have the mosquitoes, that doesn't have the roaches, that doesn't have these things that are so nuisance in our life. God says that I'm going to renew it based on my glory. And what God is trying to do is actually show us that there is something better than you will experience in me that you could have never imagined before. And then we'll talk with God. We'll walk with God. We'll hear him more intimately than just uh, the way that we actually hear him today, maybe through his word or maybe through prayer, but we'll actually be personally next to God with God at all times to experience all that he is. You know, Revelation chapter 21, and I'm just quoting some stuff. You don't have to uh, turn there with me, but I just want to fill you with the theology of God. You know, Revelation chapter 21 is an expression of what the new world will actually look like. It says that the streets will pave, be paved with gold. It says that the doors of God will be of one pearl. You know, it shows some beautiful things and the beautiful things are not the point. The beautiful things are an expression of the glory of God, just how glorious and magnificent that he is. And the greatest thing that we could experience in this world compares in comparison to what God has available for us. That's why I say that we've got to overcome you know, the mentality sometimes that we think is great in this world, you know, maybe it's the best car that you could ever experience a Bentley or a Maserati or something like that. You know, some kind of Lamborghini, something great. God can do <laughs> way better than that stuff. He has something better for us than we could ever experience. And he wants us to experience it now, not just for all of eternity, every single day through the power of the Holy Spirit, God gives us glimpses. 
He gives us taste of the Holy Spirit. You know, this week I looked through my life and looked through my calendar just this week and said, God, what did you do today? I wanted to be reminded and be refreshed because every single day God is ready to do something supernatural, something that you can't do on your own. You know, it might be something simple as a store being closed, just like I experienced this week where I came in two hours later, but the woman was still there and I knew her and she gave me exactly what I need. I said, that's only God. That's only God to be able to open up the doors of of this store so that I can actually get what I need. But God does things like that often every single day for us to show us a touch of his glory. It may be even greater than that. You know, may God may, you know, heal part of your body. He may heal broken hearts. He may heal broken relationships. He may heal what is ever necessary in our life because that's who God is. He is the creator. He's the healer. He is Jehovah Jireh. You know, he is the provider in our life. He provides things that we can't do ourselves, And we've got to continually refresh our hope in that kind of reality, saying, God, I want to experience more hope. And so I don't want to just experience what the world has for me, but I want to experience the eternal perspective that you have for me. And I want a taste of it now <laughs> because what the what the kingdom mentality means for us is means that everything that God has available for us, we can taste it, we can experience, but we won't experience the fullness of it until Christ returns again. But now we don't want to just short circuit what God has available to us because he still wants to give us some kind of taste. He still wants to give some kind of experiences. And that's why uh, we can really understand it by the third aspect. You know, the third aspect is what I call the doozy and sometimes the failure of who we are as Christians, because all we do is talk about those good things of God. But we don't recognize that the issues and the problems and the troubles and the difficulties of life that come to us are actually really good in our life. So I want to camp on that again and make sure that we look at verses three, four uh, and five. And so if you have your Bibles, let's turn there with us because we need to do a little bit of work to actually kind of see what God's saying. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they are good for us. They help us to learn to endure and endurance develops strength of character in us and character strengthens our confident expectation of salvation. And this expectation will not disappoint us, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit that fills our heart. Amen. So just be reminded again, (laughs) let me tell it to you one more time again. You know, suffering that we face in this world is not a bad thing. You know, even though, you know, I would define suffering as the opposite of shalom. You know, if, if shalom is peace, is rest, it's the perfectness of God, then suffering is anything that's the opposite of it. So the hard times that we face, the trials that we face, the difficulties that we face, the lack that we face, the illness that we face, you know, the sickness that we face, you know, the, 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 the abortedness, you know, of dreams and hopes in our life, all those things are part of the sufferings of God, you know, being crucified and, and, and being persecuted as Christians, you know, that, were part, that was part of the sufferings of God as well. But those are not just things that are bad in our life. 
You know, those are things that actually form us. They formulate us. And, uh, you know, we've given many examples already, like through a physical example or anything like that. But I want us to understand that here's the difference between some of us that have a theology that is just prosperous all the time and also a right theology. You know, a right theology understands that I've got to go through some hard things in life. And so the marriage difficulties I have, you know, the physical barrenness in my body, the pain in my body, you know, the, the those things are actually necessary so that I actually come to God and actually learn how to be spiritually mature and not saying that we're not spiritually mature, you know, when we are facing those things, but we've got to understand how does God want us to stand right? How does he want us to stand up straight in that face? And what does it actually benefit us in our life? And so it benefits us to learn to endure. You know, anytime we actually go through a physical exercise again, you know, one of the things that you may first start out with is that you're short of breath. You're weak. You just can't actually have the endurance to actually get through. But if you actually are starting some things, you know, sometimes in your life, the endurance starts to build up when you're physically exercising in the same kind of way in our life. What we actually need to do when God gives us dreams when God gives us visions, when he wants us to get a picture of who we want to be, we've got to establish endurance. You know, think about the children of Israel, for example. God wanted them to leave the bondage of their slavery in Egypt and wanted them to go a distance to actually take a new land. The very first thing that it was going to take was some endurance. You had to walk there, you know, with all your belongings, with all your stuff. And you eventually, when you got there, were going to have to defeat a people who were already in the land. In the same kind of way, when God actually gives us a dream, he gives us a vision, he wants us to be something, you know, whether or not it's healing or whether or not it's, it's a business, you know, whatever it is, God says, it's not going to be easy getting there, but by faith, you can still get there. And I want you to develop some endurance, develop some character so that you can actually get there in your life. The second thing that God begins to say to us is that this endurance develops strength of character, you know, strength of character, you know, is it, such a, a huge reality. It's a mindset, you know, a mindset to understand that you can do it. You know, when you see the, the mountain, when you see the roadblock, you don't just turn away, but you have a character that's now built in you that says that through God, I can actually still get through this situation. When hard times come, you say through God, I'll still get through this situation. When it feels like a setback, you say through God, I'll still get this through this situation because God builds that kind of character in you. God develops that kind of resolve that we all need in our life. And God actually uses the, the sufferings of this world to actually do that. You know, you may ask, how does God use the sufferings of this world to do it? Well, he uses them because we should learn to actually come to God through every difficult situation that we face. Every time there's a hard moment, every time there's a difficult moment, we should actually be coming to God and say, Lord, what should I do now? <laughs> you know, how do I go through this situation? How do I cope? You know, how do I pray to you rightly? You know, what is the wisdom that you actually need to show me to actually endure? You know, how should I actually get through this darkness that I actually feel today? All those things of coming to God starts to build us up. You know, they start to give us what we need to actually be healthy in life. Uh, amen. Amen. Then the last thing that the Bible actually says to us is that that kind of character, it actually strengthens our confident expectation of salvation. It starts to strengthen our confident expectation of salvation. You know, if you're like me, you know, once you start to get good at anything, you start to believe it even more.
And that's what God is actually saying to us in this regard. It says that once you start to go through things in life and you start having victory in me, you start to even know, wow, salvation is so much greater than I could ever experience and ever know about. And your hope becomes stronger. You know, you start to become like people like the Abrahams of the world who experience so much that they're willing to do the extreme things of faith to obtain the promises that God has for us. And that's the same way that God wants us to be. Just, just take the moments, you know, the little things day by day, whatever you're facing, and just let God actually deal with you in that situation, teach you in that situation, and let those things build up and build up and build up to where your, your, your perspective and your reality of God is just so much different. You know, when I think about, you know, some of these things that I'm talking about today, I think about how good that we have it as Christians, you know, how good that is different from the things that other people have in this world. You know, when I was growing up and, and sometimes I still like the phrase itself, but I, I love to be able to hear, you know, people actually just say, assalamu alaikum. You know, and walaikum mashalam. You know, I love to actually hear them say that word because it it sounded like they were part of a a, a community that identified with one another. You know, and I understood that the word actually meant peace itself, and they were giving salutations of peace back to one another. Uh, but what I also recognize now as a Christian, when I understand shalom <laughs> even better, is that God has something better than just a salutation. You know, he has something better where God is, where he is saying to you and I that you can experience real peace now forever and for all of eternity. So maybe as Christians, I think that we should come up with our own phrase and that when we greet and we say each other, it should be more than just hello and how you doing. But maybe we should be giving each other the peace of God and saying that I want you to experience that in your life. You know, when we think about how well God wants us to know things, it begins to emanate out of our character and who we are. And I want you to experience peace. I want to experience peace. I want you to experience hope. I want to experience hope. I want you to experience the benefits that actually come from the sufferings of this world. I want to experience the benefits that actually come from the sufferings of this world. Amen. Amen. I want us to experience all that there is in God uh, because there's nothing better that God actually has for us. When you and I think about home, Home is that place where, you know, we think we are experiencing something better than we have ever experienced before. You know, my wife and I, we're moving into a new home and we believe that it's going to be a better experience than we've experienced before. And I think that we've had great experiences. You know, we're trying to expand. And so we're trying to provide more room for family ourselves, and also extended family that will visit us. You know, we're trying to do more for the kingdom of God. So we need a bigger home uh, to actually do that. So we're excited. But in the midst of it all, you know, there's still obstacles. You know, there's still things that we're actually trying to, to overcome. You know, we're trying to make sure that the house actually is what it's actually supposed to be. In the same kind of regard, what I'm trying to share with you today is that there is a home that God actually has for us where we can actually be with him for all of eternity. And he wants us to understand that it's better than anything that you and I could try to establish and actually figure out and actually develop on our own. You know, we could try to put some some walls up. We could try to paint it a certain color and uh, we can try to provide some kind of security with the locks and the, the, these, the gates 
that we can actually put in our homes and, and fence ourselves around. But there is a certain kind of peace that comes from God that surpasses all understanding. There's a certain kind of peace from God that is perfect, that is restful, that actually provides for us everything that we actually need. There's a certain kind of hope that God actually provides us that is greater and bigger than what this world actually can, can give us and tell us that what's attainable. God wants us to lift our eyes to that kind of hope so that we can actually live in him. And he also wants to remind us that everything that the kingdom of God has available for us is still not yet. And so we may have glimpses of it and we may experience some things of it. And that's why we actually go through the sufferings of this world so that we can allow God to actually form us and shape us to be exactly who he designed us to be. We get formed and shaped because God has a big picture for us and he wants us to learn how to be that individual. Will you actually not just rest on the salvation that you'll receive for all of eternity? Will you begin to actually live that out by working out your salvation? Will you begin to actually see peace in the way that God desires you to see it, the shalom of God, the true rest? And so that means for you is that we've got to actually learn to put down our work. We've got to learn to actually put down our striving, the way that we actually can do things in our own might. Will you begin to trust God for his peace? Will you begin to actually use the time that God makes available for you and say, Lord, I've got to stop this work that I'm doing and actually just begin to trust in you? Will you begin to actually look at the hope that God has from an eternal perspective and actually not limit yourself by what this world is actually providing? See things from the vision that God has and be willing to actually work toward it. Working toward it simply means believing that God has it for you and allowing him to actually show you the pathway. While you're on that journey, it may mean that we may suffer a little bit. We may have some difficulties. We may have some hardships. But God says all those things are to help you to become exactly who you've are designed to be. That's our call today. I want you to experience all that God has. I want me to experience all that God has. And I want us to continue to go by faith to faith in these experiences in life. Well, this message was a blessing to you. I want you to begin to pray this prayer with me. It's a prayer that uh, tells us, Lord, I want to actually experience more of the benefits that comes by being justified by faith. And so if you are hearing this message for the first time and you say, I want to trust in Jesus because I want to experience some of those blessings. I want you to pray that prayer that I'm about to share with you. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you so much uh, that you have come into this world to die for me. And all I got to do now, Lord, is believe that you died, was buried, and was raised from the dead as God in the flesh, and I shall be justified by faith. I shall be brought into the kingdom of God, knowing that you died for my sin, knowing that you cleansed me because of the blood of Christ Jesus. And Lord, as I do those things, I now take the journey to be able to receive the promises that you actually have for me. Lord, teach me, guide me, mold me, shape me, do all that is necessary so that I may be able to walk out my faith in you. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time, I would love for you to contact us at commonbondchurch.org and fill out a comment card and let us know about what you prayed. You can also reach us on our social media pages on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and you can connect with us in that way. Um, also, if you've prayed that prayer, uh, not just for the first time, but if you're just trying to build your faith, let us know as well. We want to connect with each and every person in a way that helps them to develop their faith in God. So still reach out to us through those same kind of channels uh, so that we all can experience God together in him. Amen. Well, I'm so overjoyed to be able to share God's word with you, to have, be able to pray with you, to sing songs of worship together. You know, these Sunday experiences 
uh, feel me. You know, I hope they feel you as well. They give me the necessary recharge to actually go back into this world. And so I want to lead us now with one last benediction uh, so that we are recharged until we see each other again. Lord Jesus, uh, thank you so much uh, for your mercy, for your grace. Uh, you're the only wise Savior, the only true God. Uh, Lord, continue to fill us with your Holy Spirit until we all see each other again. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you again so much. It is my privilege, and, and I'm thankful and humbled that you've joined me today. I can't wait till we all see each other again. Have a great day. Have a great week. Amen. Amen.